so many closed doors. Like the disciples who were locked away in the upper room after Jesus' death, we too might feel that all hope is lost in this present time. But on this morning, on this morning, the stone that sealed the tomb where Jesus was laid to rest didn't sit idle. And as it broke free from its resting place, Jesus conquered death itself. Good morning, Christ Church. It is great to be with you this morning on this wonderful Easter day. We are so thankful that you are uh, tuning in with us this morning and that we get the incredible privilege of being able to be with you uh, in your living room or where you happen to be uh, tuning in today. We are excited because we celebrate the good news today uh, that Jesus is alive. And uh, as we do that, we are uh, starting a new series today called uh, Living Room Easter, and uh, you know, on that first Easter Sunday, there were uh, lots of folks uh, who were in confinement, right? Something we're pretty familiar with these days. Uh, there was uh, Mary Magdalene, who was in the confinement uh, of her grief. Uh, you've got disciples who are literally behind locked, uh, closed doors. You've got other disciples that are wandering, and they're just locked up in confusion. Uh, and of course, what we celebrate today, uh, that Jesus himself was kind of quarantined uh, in that tomb and captured uh, in death. And yet, uh, the good news is Jesus overcomes and he is with us uh, even today. And we're going to see the difference it makes when Jesus shows up. Well, that's today. We celebrate the beginning of that uh, series and the good news that Jesus is alive. And, uh, of course, that means Easter Sunday is the time for Pastor Bob's annual Easter Sunday joke. I tell the same joke every year if you're tuning in with us for the first time uh, just because I love it and it's fantastic. And a lot of our folks out there, you know exactly what I'm going to share with you. You know the punchline. And so uh, as we talk, share it this morning, uh, I hope you get into it. I mean, think about it this way. You're at home. You can stand up. You can just shout it out. You can do all the actions. And uh, you're not going to be embarrassed because nobody's watching. And if it's family members, they're used to you embarrassing them anyway. So just get into it. Have a great time, okay? So here's the joke. Here's the way it goes. Uh, so as, as a Sunday school teacher who was teaching her little children about uh, the resurrection. And, of course, she went through the whole lesson about how Jesus was arrested and ultimately how he was crucified and his body was taken down and placed in the tomb. And, you know, she's just really getting into the teaching, got the flannel graph going, and she's got the stone rolling aside, you know, with the flannel graph and telling him how Jesus walked out of the tomb and he was absolutely alive. I mean, it was just going fantastic. And the kids were just soaking it up like crazy. Uh, so she gets through the lesson, and of course, just she pauses. She's really feeling good about it, but she realizes that uh, she's done early and that there's some time left before she can let the kids go to their parents. So she gets this bright idea. She says, uh, children, tell me. We've just been talking about Jesus rising from the dead. What do you think Jesus' first words were when he rose from the dead and walked out of the tomb. 
And of course, all the kids are thinking, and there's a little Susie in the back. Oh, 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 oh. And of course, the teacher calls on Susie and says, Susie, tell me. Susie says, well, Jesus' first words when he walked out of the tomb were, ta-da! There you go. Thank you. <laughs> I have fun every year doing that one. So uh, thanks. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, let's get to what's important, though, today's message, and uh, it really is important. The Apostle Paul tells us that what we celebrate today is incredibly important. It is the foundation of our faith, right? He says it. He says, listen, I pass on to you what was important. Uh, notice this is, is stuff that we're supposed to also pass on, right? This is the kernel of what we share, the most important stuff that we can tell people about. Uh, and he passed it on. He's going to pass it on to us. What's he passing on? That Christ died for our sins just as the Scripture said, that he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. This is really important. It is really important. And all of it is confirmed by the witness of Scripture, and all of it fulfills Scripture. You see, this day we celebrate not simply that Jesus rose from the dead, but we celebrate the truth of what that means. That he literally did die for our sins and forgiveness is ours. The resurrection proves it. And it also proves that the scriptures are absolutely true. You see, when Paul said that two times in the text, when he said two times, just as the scripture said, he was not thinking about the New Testament because, well, actually he was writing the New Testament as he wrote those words. No, he was thinking about his scripture. He was thinking about the Old Testament. And if you go back into Psalm 16, Psalm 16 says, uh, talking about the anointed one, the Messiah, right? For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your holy one, the anointed, the Messiah, you will not allow the holy one to rot in the grave. You see, going back even to the psalmist, God knew what he was going to do that the scriptures gave witness to the reality of what we celebrate today. I mean, the truth is that God planned long ago to overcome the quarantine of death. God planned long ago to raise his anointed one, his son, and to bring him into our lives. God planned long ago to take our lives from darkness and bring them into life. So let's look. Let's look at the experience, the event of how that, how that happened. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of John. It's all in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John. And uh, John tells us the story, the experience, saying, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Now, a couple of things to notice. Notice right away we got this great little footnote there. Don't forget footnotes are important. The footnote says that in the Greek it literally says on the first day of the week. So you have to remember that when the Jews counted their days, they numbered their days, right? So God worked in creation, and on the first day he did this, and the second day he did that, and the third day, and he rested on the seventh day. And it's all about numbering uh, your days. So when Jesus rose, he rose on the first day of the week. He rose after Sabbath. Remember, he was killed on Friday. He was put into the tomb on Friday. 
He was quarantined in death on Saturday. And then on Sunday, the third day, he rose from the dead. And so that first day is Sunday. That's why we worship every time on Sunday, celebrating the good news that Jesus is alive. So on that first day of the week, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, and she goes while it is still dark. I mean, it is a small thing, but it's an incredibly important thing for us to notice. God is not afraid of the dark. While it was still dark, nobody literally saw the resurrection. God accomplished the resurrection. We see the witness of the resurrection. God was working and doing what only God can do. And he was doing that even in the dark. He's not scared of the dark. He even works in the dark. We get the witness of the psalmist saying, For God, even the darkness is not dark. And the night shines like the day, for darkness is like light to you, O God. God not only is not scared of the dark, God works in the dark. And that is fantastic, important news for us today because it feels pretty dark right now. What we're going through as a world and as a nation, what we're going through as a people right now feels pretty dark. And it's important for us to remember, especially on Easter, God's not scared of the dark. God is not scared of what we're going through right now. And he is working in this darkness. He is working in the midst of this experience. And he is ultimately going to bring life out of darkness. And that's what he does. That's what he did on that Easter Sunday morning. He broke the quarantine of death that Jesus was in, and he brought life out of death. And there's an example of that even before, because that's what Jesus does. He brings life out of death. He brings life out of darkness. Remember, the text says that Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. It's incredible that it was Mary Magdalene. Mary is Mary of Magdala. Magdala is a small town on the Sea of uh, Galilee. Been there? Some of you have been there with me? And so Mary is the first one to go to the tomb. And what do we know about Mary? Well, not only was she from that town of Magdala, but Jesus had an interaction with her. And Luke tells us that in that experience, Jesus cast out seven demons from her life. Now you tell me. How dark is your life if you are consumed by seven demons? This is Mary. Mary has already had the experience of Jesus entering into her life and ripping out of her existence the darkness of those demons and giving her a whole new life. And it's evidence, you notice, that she is one of the prime supporters of Jesus in his ministry. She is radically generous, and she is an accompanying the whole group that now listens to and ministers alongside Jesus. Mary knows what it is to go from darkness to light, from death to life. She comes to the tomb, and as she approaches, she sees that the tomb has the stone rolled aside. And if you get, take a little time, you dig a little more into the Greek, it, it's 
a pretty violent word. It's not just it was kind of gently and nicely rolled away, but the, the, the stone was ripped away from the front of the tomb. And you think about the way tombs were built in, in Jesus' day, and the tomb that he was likely in, one like it, it would be something like this. And you can kind of see this little notch down there, and that notch is where the, the stone rolled into. And it was incredibly difficult to get that stone out of there once it was rolled into place. It was supposed to be because they wanted that stone, that tomb sealed to keep the stench from getting out. Mary comes to the tomb and that stone has been ripped away. It has been radically rolled aside. And we know in the Gospel of Matthew, it says that a violent earthquake Took place. A violent earthquake took place when an angel came and ripped that stone uh, to the side. Now, why is all this important? What are, why am I spending time on the stone? What's, what's the deal about that? Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to remember. Listen up. That stone was ripped open and ripped to the side not to let Jesus out but to let us in. It wasn't ripped to the side so somehow Jesus could walk out of the tomb. Jesus was resurrected. He, he resurrected. He showed up in a variety of places after his resurrection, and nothing encumbered him. Nothing kept him from getting into the situation. We'll see as we go through the series. He shows up here, and he shows up in a room in locked doors. That was not what was stopping him. The stone is ripped aside so that you and I can look in. So you and I have to be confronted with the reality of an empty tomb. Now, all four Gospels record that the tomb is empty. All four Gospels want to put us in a position of coming to grips with the reality that the tomb is empty. What does that mean? How do we answer the reality that the tomb where Jesus, this dead body, was placed, and we know he was dead, right? They put a spear through his side, and blood and water came out. There's no question he was dead. The question now is, what does it mean to see the tomb is empty? Mary shows up. She sees the tomb is empty. Her immediate answer, her first thought was, somebody has taken the Lord's body. And, and there's been a lot of answers not just hers, but there's been a lot of answers trying to come up with some kind of explanation of what was going on. Some folks might say, well, you know, the, the ladies, they probably went to the wrong tomb. No, not really. I mean, we can go to the Gospel of Mark. And Mark says that the women were with Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. And the women saw the tomb and they knew exactly where Jesus was laid. And it would mean that, well, Mary lost her way and all the women, everybody that was part of it, had lost their way. Not a likely answer. Maybe it was empty because grave robbers came. No, that, believe me, that's not possible. You see, the religious leaders went to Pilate and said, we remember that this guy said that three days later he was going to rise from the dead. So you need to put some guards on the tomb and you need to seal the tomb. And so he did that. Guards were posted. The tomb was sealed with the governor's seal. And believe me, nobody is going to go up against Rome to get into a tomb for some poor rabbi. 
Perhaps the religious leaders took him. Well, that's unlikely because they're the ones that went to Pilate and said, hey, you need to put somebody in front of there to guard the tomb to make sure nothing happens. You need to make sure that the tomb is sealed. And besides that, if they had stolen his body, when Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and says, Jesus was killed by you, but he rose again from the dead, wouldn't it make sense that they would show up with a corpse and say, yeah, not so much, didn't really happen? Not likely. What about the easy one? That the disciples took him. Well, if the disciples took him, Peter and John are out of the loop because we're going to see in a minute that they ran as fast as they could to see what's going on. They had no clue about what was happening. And besides that, the religious leaders, they actually bribed the guards to say that the disciples took the body. What a waste of money that would have been. And on top of it all, these disciples who would have supposedly pulled off this scheme and overpowered Roman guards and rolled aside the stone, these disciples would have all died with the secret intact. They would have gone through terrible and horrible experiences of death and still kept the secret. Not likely. You see, the reality is that all of our human schemes cannot stop God's purposes. That God was at work, the stone was rolled aside so that we could see in and understand. God is not scared of the dark. God works in the dark. And God brings life even out of darkness. So, What's the text tell us? Well, it says she went and told him somebody must have taken the body. Mary did. And Peter and John, it's called the other disciple in the text. It's actually John, the writer of the gospel. And uh, he says Peter and John, now they start running for the tomb. They're both running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. It's great when you're writing the gospel, get to brag a little bit and kind of Show how fast you are compared to Peter, I guess. I don't know. Uh, The power of the pen. Nonetheless, it says John gets there. He gets there first. He bends over. He doesn't go in. It would be going into an unclean place, dead body tomb. And so he respects the turf, stops, and he peers in. And it says he sees the strips of linen lying there. Now, what's important here is you get into the Greek again and the structure. It's not that he peers in and he sees linen cloths kind of all balled up and rolled up and pushed off to the side. No, it's saying that the linens that he was Jesus' body were wrapped in were all still intact. See, they would take a dead body and they would take strips of cloth and they'd wrap it and they'd pour spices over it and they'd wrap it and they'd pour spices over it. What it's saying is that those linens were not all unwrapped and stuffed off in a corner somewhere like you guys do with your pajamas in the morning, right? No, they were all right there, intact. And then Simon Peter gets there. He runs in. He goes right past all of that worrying about the uncleanness. He just runs right in. He sees the same thing as well as some additional evidence. He comes in and he sees those clothes still intact. And he also sees that the cloth that was placed over Jesus' head is still lying in its place and it's neatly separated from the other linens. You see, they see a witness and a testimony that everything that happened was done with intention. 
that what happened here was not only real, but it was an intentional. And so John looks at it all. He takes it all in, and it says he looks at all the evidence, he sees, and he believes. Now, what did he believe? We don't really know. Did, did he believe that, well, that's right, Psalm 16 said. Did he believe and remember and say, oh, you know, I remember in this moment Jesus said that he was going to be arrested, crucified, died, put in a tomb, and that three days later he would rise. Is that what he believed? John never really answers that question. You see, it's not important for John to answer that question right now. All that's important for John is this morning in your living room. He wants you to be right there at the tomb. He wants you to be standing right there, peering down, looking in, and seeing what he sees. He wants to place you in the same position he was standing in. And he asks you, what do you believe? What do you believe? If you're a Christ follower, if you do remember what the psalmist said, if you do remember that Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection, if you do understand that God's not scared of the dark, that God works in the dark and God brings life out of darkness, then you understand that today the tomb is still empty. That that tomb is still empty. And forgiveness is ours. The forgiveness we're going to proclaim in just a little bit. It's real. It's true. It's ours. That Jesus died on that cross and he died for our sins. And his resurrection proves, yes, forgiveness is ours. Paul says he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Forgiveness is real. The tomb is still empty. And new life for us is possible. Just as scripture says, by his power God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Not simply on the last day, not simply in some day, but he will raise us today. In the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the darkness, he will work in our lives and he will take us to a new future. He is not scared of the dark. He works in the dark and he brings life out of darkness. The tomb is still empty. The tomb is still empty. And that means we live in hope. That as a Christ follower, we don't live like the rest of the world lives. We know the power of resurrection. We understand what God is capable of in our lives. And so we look forward because our sins and our past has been forgiven. We look forward to what God has yet to do and accomplish in our lives. Scripture says, in his great mercy, he, God, has given us new birth into a what? Into a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We live forward. We live confident. We live with hope because we know a God who's not scared of the dark. We understand a God who works in the dark. And we know this God of ours brings life out of darkness. Today, 
the tomb is still empty. And that same power that was there on that first day, that same power that released Mary Magdalene from those seven demons, and that same power that rolled aside and ripped aside that stone, that same power that took the lifeless body of Jesus and made it gloriously and incredibly alive is at work in our lives now, today. Just as Scripture says, His incomparable great power is for us who believe. And this power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That resurrection Easter Sunday power is ready to be at work every day in our lives. And how do we know it's true? Because the tomb is still empty. The tomb is still empty. And if you're listening today and you haven't been convinced of that, I want to invite you to peer down, look into that tomb, and see the evidence and wrestle with the answer to the question. Because I can tell you, God is not scared of the darkness in your life. God is ready to work in the darkness of your life. And God is capable and ready to exert his resurrection power in your life and to take you from that darkness and bring you into new life. To take you from that death that wants to imprison you and quarantine you and bring you into the new life of possibility of living in his name. The tomb is still empty today. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can gather today and celebrate the incredible good news that you are alive, that you are working not only in our world, but you are working uh, in our lives. The tomb is still empty. You're not scared of the dark. You work in the dark. And you still bring life out of darkness. And so, Lord, Lord, we humbly ask today, accomplish that miracle in our living rooms and where we are. Help us to peer into that tomb and see it's still empty. And that you are Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And that forgiveness is real. And it's for us. And new life is possible. And we have hope for a future. Because you are the God who brings life out of darkness. Lord, we trust you. We commend ourselves to you. And we rejoice and celebrate. Jesus is still alive. It's in his name we pray. Amen.